is Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by HP, the leader in the world's most secure and manageable PCs. Learn more about HP's Healthcare Edition products at hp.com forward slash go forward slash healthcare forward slash US. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, publisher of ACOWatch.com, and your Pop Health Week co-host with my partner co-founder, Fred Goldstein, the president of Accountable Health, LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Our guest today is John Moore, founder and managing partner at Chillmark Research, a firm that focuses on a range of healthcare transformational issues. Fifteen years in, John has built Chillmark Research into a respected analyst firm that provides market-leading coverage of the most transformative sectors of healthcare IT, including health information exchanges, patient provider engagement strategies, healthcare analytics, remote monitoring, and one of my favorites, provider-payer convergence, or as some would say, the payviders. Of great personal interest to John is the role that the consumer will ultimately play in the rapidly evolving healthcare market. An accomplished speaker, John has made numerous presentations on current and future IT trends and their impact to markets. He has been widely quoted in numerous publications, including AMA News, Baseline, CIO, Computer World, E-Week, Forbes, Health Data Management, Information Week, Investors Business Daily, U.S. News and World Report, The Washington Post, and The Wall Street Journal. So, Fred, over to you. Help us get to know John and his work at Chillmark and what's in his crosshairs at HIMSS 2020. Thank you so much, Greg. And John, welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you for having me, Fred and Greg. Looking forward to the talk. It's great to get a chance to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to it as well. So perhaps give our audience a little sense, John, of your background and uh, what Chillmark Research does. Okay. My background is I've been what's called an industry analyst for about two and a half decades. And I got my start as an industry analyst looking at how technology was deployed in the manufacturing sector to improve the production of product. By the time I left the manufacturing sector, I felt that you know I, they had solved a lot of the major problems in deploying large enterprise system software to improve uh, the output, their supply chains, the output of uh, their products, the quality of those products, reduce waste, etc. And that the big hairy problems had been more or less addressed. So I decided to find an industry that hadn't quite figured it out yet. And this was around 2006. Narrowed it down to uh, two industries: education and healthcare. And as I started talking to people, everyone I talked to, random people on the street, everyone had a health story. And I decided, wow, this is a great place to try to give back to society and do something good in terms of trying to help organizations adopt technology to to improve how care is delivered. So in 2007, I launched Chillmark Research and have been doing that ever since. Fantastic. And what areas does Chillmark Research get into in healthcare? Well, we try to uh, really focus on what we believe are technologies that will be transformational to the delivery of care. That's kind of one of our metrics. And, and another metric that we, the, that we use in looking at this industry is things that really affect patient care. So we started, our first report was around, of all things, personal health records. Back in, We released that back in 2007. We then 
progressed into interoperability and health information exchanges. And we built upon that. Once you are moving the data, then what do you do with the data? Then we moved into analytics. Once you have the analytics and you apply that, how do you instruct clinicians to deliver better care? So that got into the care management and clinical pathways space. When you look at all those things added up, it kind of takes you to on the path towards, you know, really population health management and value-based care. Right, and that, that leads into your most recent report, which was released January 27th on a path to value for population health, adopting a value chain model. Could you discuss some of the findings from that report? Gladly. The, uh, this was a study that we did for about a half a year last year in 2019. It entailed reaching out to web surveys to a large number of uh, healthcare organizations and then following up that initial survey with actual uh, focus group discussions with a number of provider organizations across the country of varying sizes. And that was kind of the process we followed. And what we were trying to find is were organizations actually, how were they measuring the value or deriving value from their population health management programs? And it was really interesting in that we found that we came to the conclusion of a number of significant findings in that report, which are outlined in the report. I would have to say one of the, the big ones, in my view, was just how population health is and value-based care, because we kind of see those things intertwined and interrelated. How to do value-based care, you need a population health management platform. But the thing is with value-based care, it's very, very localized to the local conditions of what is your uh, population mix, what is your, are you urban, are you rural, are you south, north, what have you, what's kind of the population you have, what's the payer mix you have, what's your employer mix, what kind of resources do you have as a provider to deliver value-based care. All these things combined create a very localized strategy to address population health. And I think one of the big challenges with that is that what that leads to is the inability to easily deploy best practices across the country on how organizations manage the populations that they're dealt with under these value-based contracts. And just honestly, the changing nature of the value-based contracts themselves, they're very much a moving target which makes it very hard for healthcare organizations to really get to that value of the population health program that they've deployed because the metrics change over years in terms of what, for example, CMS may want in its MSSP program, what a given payer may want, how an employer may want their population, their employee population managed. All these things are highly variable. And that makes it extremely difficult for organizations to actually get on that strategic path to population health management. I think another key finding was that in areas where you have fairly strong hospital organization that has been doing this for several years, uh, these are fairly mature organizations as they looked at their population health strategy, um, they actually define the metrics the quality metrics they will use in the contract, and they create a standard set of metrics. And so when a given payer comes to them and says, hey, we want to get involved with you on a Medicare Advantage program or what have you, and these are the metrics you choose to measure. This or 
these organizations, these mature organizations, will push back on the payer or the employer, whoever they're contracting with, and say, no, we've created this, these, this reasonable set of metrics that we measure and we track, and we believe these are the ones you really want to focus on because they demonstrate value for our other clients, the other people that we have value-based contracts with. What this does is it greatly simplifies the amount of administrative overhead on the quality reporting. I think there is somewhere up close to a thousand different types of quality reporting metrics out there in the field today across the country being used in these value-based contracts. So these organizations are saying this is complete nonsense. We don't need that many, but here's the core set of really good, high-quality, stringent metrics that we track that will meet your goals in this value-based contract. Yeah, John, I found that that was one of the interesting findings in here that you talked about work from a position of strength, you know, have payers adopt your metrics. I think also as you talked about, one, it's obviously an area that, that creates efficiencies because you're not reporting all these different metrics, all these different payers. But it also is something that you already know what the value of the metric is. You know, you know you've already been doing it. You know what kind of results you get with that metric. So you're able to estimate that, hey, we're going to get good outcomes associated with this metric because we know we're already creating those outcomes. So I thought that was interesting. You also talked about a, you know, a standard that, that everyone's beginning to see, and Greg and I have discussed this quite a bit, which is that the primary care network is really the fulcrum of value-based care, and that's getting in. What I found interesting was the comment, begin value-based care journey with Medicare Advantage. And I, I'm reading that thinking that means they go whole hog into a risk-based arrangement. Is that how you were positioning that, or was there something else associated with beginning that journey using Medicare Advantage? Well, the thing is with Medicare Advantage, it's there's a couple of reasons that we put that in there. And, and this was actually came from the provider organizations we spoke with. It, this is especially the more mature ones that we uh, work with in these focus groups. This is what they found in their own experiences. They felt that the measures for Medicare Advantage are fairly straightforward. They're HEDIS measures. What you have to strive for is getting that four-star plus rating. And that's when you get the uh, reimbursements and the value back. And they all felt that these are pretty straightforward, the metrics that you need to get to address Medicare Advantage compared to a lot of other contracting models that are out there today for value-based care. It was just kind of a, it was really surprising. It was pretty universal no matter what region of the country we talked to. It was, if you're gonna get, head down this road, develop your muscle memory around Medicare Advantage. It's one of the easier ones to tackle first. And oftentimes, you're partnering with a payer on these Medicare Advantage programs if you don't have your own payer entity within the organization that can help you as well in learning mm -hmm. kind of the ropes of how to do this right. So it was, it was not necessarily the idea of taking risk and going, go set up your own Medicare Advantage plan and do your journey that way, but use the, the metrics and measures within the Medicare Advantage program as a way to begin starting this journey. Correct, correct. Got it. And I also noticed that, that your this, the uh, research pointed out in the, the conversation, obviously, this whole thing is built on data. And there really has been this merging now. We finally recognize that value-based care and population health management go together. So were there any other key areas you'd like to touch on in the report? One of the things I thought was most interesting in this research that we did was that Across all the organizations that we interviewed, we did the web survey with, you know, across the country, no one today 
can point to a number and say, this is the demonstrable ROI we have achieved today from our population health management investment. It's simply not there yet. Part of the problem with that is, we, well, part of, not, not the problem, but really the reason why is that first, population health has been very much of a moving target. So it's very hard for organizations to readily flex to how population health is being defined and how value-based care contracts are being defined and put out there in the marketplace. But, you know, a bigger issue here is that, uh, and what I thought was fascinating, was that organizations do see value in their population health program, particularly those that are on a strategic path to value-based care. They feel that it is imperative that that's the direction the company their organization needs to move to from a strategic perspective, and they're willing to make those investments, realizing that it's a lot of upfront investment for a very long-term gain. It's just simply the direction they have to go in, and they're willing to make those investments and see what happens. They are getting value in terms of getting good quality scores, meeting the cost metrics, getting some reimbursements back from that, but has it covered their total sunk cost? Not yet. So, and there was one organization, a very large one, down in uh, the southeast, and they told us that uh, in their region, they deliver $1.2 billion in uncompensated care. So for them as an organization, if they can even trim that $1.2 billion a year down 5%, that would be an enormous savings, just by better managing that population of high utilizers. So I think there's value there, but you're going to have to dig for it. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by HP, the leader in the world's most secure and manageable PCs. Learn more about HP's Healthcare Edition products at hp.com forward slash go forward slash healthcare forward slash US. And be sure to visit HP at HIMSS 2020, booth number 1541. Got it. It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to, to get this report. I think it's really good, and people should definitely go to your website and grab a hold of it and read through it. There's a lot of very valuable information in there. Let's now move on to HIMSS. It's a, obviously a massive conference coming up. You uh, write about it, have uh, actually put together recommended sessions at HIMSS 20. Talk a little bit about the conference, sort of what changes you're seeing this year, and then maybe we can go through some of the recommendations you made. Well, I've been going to HIMSS for, uh, well, pretty much since I started Showmark Research, so probably, you know, at least 12 years, and gone through the whole heydays hey of um, EHR adoption and HIEs and what have you, and every year there's something that's really hot that's kind of the buzz. I believe this year will probably be social determinants of health, but that being said, it can be a little it will be social determinants of health and AI. Those will probably be the two big ones. But that being said, it's always an interesting event just to kind of get a pulse on the market, how people are thinking, what they're doing. Right now we're seeing amongst organizations a lot of efforts being put into trying to optimize the EHRs they've adopted to make them actually more usable and user-friendly for the clinicians that actually have to interact with these things. Certainly seeing a lot of cybersecurity. What I'm looking for at HIMSS this year is just to kind of get a feel for, you know, it's one of the things I've been following for the last several years is how quickly are organizations truly moving to value-based care? And where are they stumbling? Where are they having some issues in standing up 
you know, the various components that they're going to need for to deliver to deliver on those value-based care contracts, whether it's you know how they do their analytics, how they get the insights out of their analytics and get the data, and then use that to drive clinical pathways and care management programs. And then finally, again, that SDOH, how do you deliver insights out into the field, into those social workers, what have you, that you're going to try to use as a healthcare organization to help lower your utilization costs and utilization management costs to better manage the populations that you're in charge of under a value-based care contract. So those are kind of the things I'm really looking for and just seeing what, where the industry is at in that regard. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, I think it will be a little quieter than it was several years ago. I believe attendance will probably be down a little bit because the EHR bubble is over. So we'll just have to see you know, what actually goes on there. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it's really around optimization and how do we move to value-based care. Those are the things I'm looking for. Got it. And obviously this is a huge conference, you know, 40-plus thousand typically at this thing, booths all over the place forever and lots of presentations. And you've divided this up, as you said, into analytics, care management, engagement, interoperability, population health management, provider payer conver- and provider payer convergence. So, you know, think about this from a population health management approach, and you talked about getting out there and beginning to work with the social determinants of health and stuff. Do you think we're, with some of these presentations that are going to be there, et cetera, that we're beginning to understand what it takes to turn the corner and do those kinds of things, or are we much earlier just beginning to figure it out? Oh, I think it depends on what thing we're talking about. You know, interoperability, we've been working at this for a long time as an industry, still has its challenges. Who knows if HEMS is, not HEMS, but ONC is going to drop their rules in the coming, in the coming weeks ahead of HEMS. There's been certainly a lot of controversy around that. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure they would like to target HEMS or right near there to have it, have it out on the street, the final, the final rules there on interoperability. So that's certainly going to be something. And I feel that, that we're getting more mature on the interoperability front. In fact, one of the things we've been watching quite closely is the number of transactions that are flowing through different systems. And transaction volumes are basically a hockey stick right now and increasing incredibly rapidly across different healthcare systems, the number of um, the movement of data. So I think that's a really, really interesting uh, bellwether on the interoperability front. I think one of the challenges we really face still today is in the realm of analytics, really understanding what data we have, how can we use that data effectively in the context of care. And those tools and that that ability to do that is still, I would call, I would say pretty immature. Even after um, all these years of doing it, we're still not there yet. Most of the analytics is really around just uh, basic quality reporting, but really understanding how to drive care at the point of care and drive decisions at the point of care. That's still a, one area that we haven't quite quite mastered yet. And that's even within clinicians. When you extend it out into the community, that is still a big stretch. So we're not quite there in terms of leveraging community resources to improve the health of that community. As for patient engagement, or consumer engagement. Healthcare industry is, I don't know, it's still kind of in the dark ages there. Some organizations that are 
getting more sophisticated at it than others. But they, I really think that healthcare organizations, by and large, have to move beyond thinking engagement means online bill pay. So, you know, given this and uh, looking at the list you put together for HIMSS and some of these presentations about prescriptive analytics or population health or and, and your report, are you bullish uh-huh. on population health at this point or do you think it's uh, still a little bit too much hype? Oh, that's a really good question, Fred. I'm starting to have my doubts, uh, population health management. I think that as an industry, uh, we need to move towards value-based care. It's becoming unsustainable to society to support the kind of health care that we have today at the cost that we have. It's crazy that the number one cause of bankruptcy in this country for citizens is health care costs. And when you look at population health management and you look at some of the programs that CMS has done, you're not seeing a heck of a lot of savings there yet. You see some, but it's in, when you look at it in the large, the big picture of how much savings is that relative to how much spend there is, it's really small. And my fear is, is that if we don't get moving on this more rapidly, uh, and organizations being willing to take on risk more readily, you know, healthcare organizations and payers being willing to share risk, provider organizations, uh, and both capitalized on that through convergence, payer provider convergence. That is, there could very well be just a basic cap on, you know, a Medicare, you know, Medicare rate times 1.3 or 1.5 cap on mm-hmm. all medic all medical costs. That passes legislation by Congress, and that's it. Sure. And so in essence, that's going to that's going to create its own problems. You, you know, the last thing we need is, you know, the legislature mandating pricing in this industry. So if this industry doesn't want that and really wants to have the flexibility to continue to innovate and move forward, it has to change, and it has to change quickly because I think I think patience is wearing thin across the country. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think the, the, the decision-making population health is the right approach, whether or not we can imp- get it implemented in the current system and have people do it to save costs and, and uh, improve outcomes is still debatable. Just finally, anything out there you see as bright spots without naming names, anything that really gets you fired up is exciting? I mean, it's somewhat contrarian, but maybe not. But I think uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Walmart, but I think what Walmart's doing in retail care is quite something. Uh, I'd have and, to agree with that. <laughs> and you know the the, the visit, you know the transparency in pricing and what people get and what they pay for is is quite remarkable. And as we all know, Walmart is everywhere in this country. And I think they could be. You know, everyone talks about big tech. You know, the Googles and Apple and Microsoft, what have you, being the ones that are really going to disrupt healthcare. And I. Kind of have my doubts. I think it's going to be someone like Walmart. Well, that's Optum. John. Yeah, something like yeah. that. What a what a fantastic way to end this show. Talk about health and technology and hymns and all this and population health, and we get to Walmart, which actually makes a lot of sense. So thank you so much, John. It was a pleasure having you on and your insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Fred. Do appreciate it. And back to you, Greg. 
And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank John Moore, founder and managing partner at Chillmark Research, for his time and insights today. Be sure to follow John on Twitter via at John underscore Chillmark. To access the two free reports mentioned on today's broadcast, A Path to Value for Population Health, Adopting a Value Chain Model, and Chillmark's Recommended Hymns 20 Sessions, go to www.chillmarkresearch.com and search by title. Finally, a very special thanks to HP for sponsoring today's episode. If you're attending HIMSS, be sure to stop by HP's booth at 1541. You can also learn more about HP and their healthcare edition products designed for clinicians at hp.com forward slash go forward slash healthcare forward slash US. For Pop Health Week, my colleague Fred Goldstein and Healthcare Now Radio, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. Bye now.